Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Psalm 78 and verse 40. Father, as we study your Word this evening, we thank you for the privilege, and we invite the ministry of the Holy Ghost to teach us, to lead us, to guide us into all truth, and also to enlarge our capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and ability of all the things that pertain to life and also godliness. I thank you for causing our ears to be anointed to hear accurately, our hearts to be receptive, and our minds to be open. And I thank you, dear Father God, that as revelation knowledge flows, we will act as doers of the Word of God and not hearers only. It will produce fruit in each and every life. And I thank you, dear Father God, for the anointing to proclaim the truth in boldness and in power that our faith would stand not in men's wisdom, but in the power of the living God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 78 and verse 40 says, How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. I want you to notice that word grieve. In verse 40, they grieved him. And also in verse 41, they limited him. This is making reference, of course, to Israel. They did not inherit all the promises of God that belonged to them. And they didn't reach or attain to their full or their full divine potential in God because they grieved him by limiting him. God's grieved when we limit his ability in our lives. He is grieved when we set limits or boundaries and kind of box him in and don't allow him to work out his full program for our lives. See, it's not that God is limited in ability or power. It's the very fact that we limit him so often within our lives as they limited him in their lives and don't give him opportunity to demonstrate or display his mighty power and glory like he longs to. How many of you believe tonight the Father longs to show himself strong on our behalf? I mean, he just yearns to reach out and, and touch the lives of his own, his children. He loves his children. The Father cares for his own. He's not an infidel. He has given birth to us. He has taken a Father's role in our lives. He cares about us. I'll never forget sitting in that auditorium when I was at Bible school and hearing the teacher teach on the divine love of God and quoting John's Gospel, chapter 16. And as I heard those words, for the Father himself loveth you because ye have loved me and believe that I came out from God. I was just lifted up and elevated to a higher plane of spiritual awareness. It was as if everything around me was not as real as the spiritual world was. And I sensed in my life the love of God that was so overwhelming, it's impossible to define or describe. Words cannot possibly describe the beauty of the moment. It was just so overwhelming. 
the presence of God's love was just there. And I just spoke out of my spirit and said, the Father himself loves me. And you know, beloved, I tell you, it's just a, a difference when it's real to you in your life. I mean, we can hear, you know, Jesus loves you. We can hear, the Father loves you. But I mean, when it's very personal and intimate, and you experience the reality of that love in your own life, then it becomes yours. It's not just a statement of fact from the Word of God. It's something that you really know to be true. It's genuine. He really does love me. He really does care. You know, and really God can't really do any more than He already has done to demonstrate or prove His love for us. He has emptied Himself in the person of Jesus Christ and He can't give any more to demonstrate or display His love for His children. He loves us. He longs to take a, a Father's role and, and play that role within our lives. And He longs to bless us, to enable us to experience his full blessings. He just wants to be big within our lives. He wanted to be big within their lives. The problem was not on the Godward side. The problem as we read here was with the people of God. They were the ones that limited Him. They grieved Him. They limited Him. They set boundaries and said, God, you can have this much in my life. You, know, you can have this much space or room in my life. And that's it. I'm not willing to do anything else to expand the borders. And as a result, they didn't grow. As a result, they didn't increase. As a result, they didn't go forward in God. And they didn't experience the full blessings that God had for them. Well, how did they box him in? How did they limit his activity in their lives? You know, what did they do? I think it's important for us to understand that because I believe it will apply to our lives also. If we can understand how they limited God, then we can avoid limiting God in our lives also. And if you'll turn with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Numbers, chapter 13. And verse 33. First of all, let me state it this way. Let's say what they didn't do. They didn't limit God by expecting too much of Him. I mean, had they expected more of Him, He loved it. God loves it when His children expect Him to do great and mighty things. So they didn't limit Him by expecting too much. And they didn't limit Him by doing too much for Him. That's not the way you limit God. If you keep on doing for God and doing for God, and if you expect God to do for you, you're not going to limit God. And I'm not going to limit God in my life. But the way they limited God is, was the same way and is the same way that we can limit God within our lives. And the first way they limited God was through fear. You'll notice in Numbers 13 and verse 33, And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Couple that verse with chapter 14 and verse 9. Joshua speaking says, Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land. So they were afraid. They were fearful. They were afraid of the people of the land. 
And as a result, they limited God. They grieved God. Fear limits God's activity within our lives. Fear kind of boxes Him in. If we're not willing to give up our fears, then He can have more of a place within our hearts, within our lives. He will not be able to increase within our lives as long as we continue to be fearful. So they were fearful, and as a result, they grieved Him, they limited Him, and prevented themselves from experiencing the full blessings and benefits that God had for them. They didn't go further in God. Another way is through unbelief. If you read through, again, we won't take the time to do all that. Just back it up a little bit. In verse 31, But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And this is speaking of the time when Israel came to the borders of Canaan's land. Canaan land. And when they did, they were right there and they faced the promises of God. They were right on the edge, right on the border of entering into the full promises and blessings that God had for them. I mean, think about that. They were just about to partake of all the wonderful, tremendous blessings that God had promised them. And they were right there on the border. But they failed to enter into those precious promises of God because they were afraid. They were afraid and also because they didn't believe. So unbelief also will set boundaries. Unbelief will grieve God and unbelief will limit God. Well, at least we see it doing that there, don't we? Unbelief limited the activity of God in their lives. And we also uh, have recorded in Mark's Gospel, chapter 6 and verse 5, that Jesus in his own hometown of Nazareth could not do many mighty things because of their unbelief. And so although he has the ability to do so, he didn't have the opportunity to do so because through fear and through unbelief, God was grieved and he was limited. See, God's spirit can be grieved. How many of you have ever read in the Bible where it says, Grieve not the spirit of God, whereby we are sealed until the day of redemption? We can grieve the spirit of the living God. And when we grieve him, we limit his activity. That's exactly what they were doing back there. You know, and so as a result, God couldn't really bless them fully as much as he wanted to. In actuality, beloved, this kind of teaching sometimes people take wrong. But I believe that if we're really sincere with God and we really mean business with God, don't we want to know about those things that hinder our spiritual growth and progress? That hinder God's increase in our lives? That prevent Him from becoming bigger and bigger in our lives? See, the whole purpose is to point out some of those things that we may call negatives, but we could turn it around and you know, have it work for our good because we realize, wait a minute, if God's going to get bigger in my life, I'm going to have to deal with my fears. If God's going to hold a bigger place in my life, I'm going to have to deal with some of this unbelief. If God's going to get bigger in my life, there's something that I'm going to have to do to give Him more space. How many of you know that each and every one of us has given Him a certain allotted amount of space within our lives? How many of you are consciously aware of the fact that you can give God more room? Hmm? Anybody here can't? You're just all full of God. You can't give him any more yourself? I believe that the spiritual, the life of the Christian, the spiritual life of the believer is one of continual growth and development. 
And I believe that what spiritual growth and development is all about is less of self, more of God. 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 And when we get to a place within our lives that we feel as though we've given enough, then we kind of become complacent in what we have. And we thank God for what we have experienced. And we know that there's more to experience in God, but the the problem is this. We don't want to do what it takes to expand those borders. Why? It requires giving up more of self. We'll talk about some of the requirements but, and, and how we can be more successful in growing in God. But you know, just enough for now to know that fear and unbelief prevents God from being bigger in our lives. It did for them and it did the same for us. Also, going back to that same verse, verse 33, and, and really you read the whole thing together in context and you also come up with this. Another thing that limited the activity of God's power within our lives was small-mindedness. They, they, they didn't think big. They didn't have that ability to look beyond what they saw, and so they couldn't think big enough. See, we think in, when we think of God, we think in terms of, of what we can think of. And, you know, we determine whether or not things are possible based on our own intelligence. In our own understanding, in our own human reasoning. But God says, I want to be bigger than your mind. And we fall short right there. Our spirit is limitless in God. But our minds... See, we just can't comprehend that, that big. God is so big. You say, how big? What does your mind do? Mine shuts off when I think of this. What does your mind do when I say this? God holds all the moisture in the palm of his hand. I'm talking about all the waters of the sea. That's big. Is that big? Your mind just goes. <laughs> oh. Remember, remember the, disc- the, the conversation that he had with Job? He says, okay, smarty. <laughs> okay, Job, you think you know something? Mm-hmm. By what cords does the, hang, or does the earth hang? In the atmosphere, in the, in the universe. What's holding it up there, Job? And he's baffled. You know. What about all those stars up there in the sky? Do you know their names? I do. Is that big? That's pretty big. What about this one? How many people are alive on the earth today? A lot. Enough to say a lot, right? Many. God knows every hair on every person's head. This didn't go over big in the Philippines, but he knows all those that fell off, too. He knows how many you lost. Is that big? I said, is that big? Is God big? Well, see, small-mindedness. We just, we, you know, we, we calculate the things of God and we look at the things of God and we... In our own mind, our own human reasoning, we try to reason these things out. Say, this just can't be. That's what they were doing over there. These are giants. We're grasshoppers. Come on. See, small-mindedness. You think those giants are bigger than God? Come on now. He holds the sea in the palm of his hand. And you're saying that those giants in the land are bigger than your God? My God? But see, they couldn't see beyond that. Small-mindedness will limit God. Make note of that. Small-mindedness will always limit God. 
It'll keep him small. He's big, but it'll keep him small in our lives. We'll just establish borders. You know, we've got to start thinking bigger. We've got to start thinking in the terms of, of the Bible, the, the revelation that we have of the, the greatness, the almightiness of God. And as we start thinking in line with how great God is, then we'll start doing things like Joshua and Caleb did. See, although all the others were small-minded, Joshua and Caleb, they were big-minded. Just, just look at, at his response. As a matter of fact, look at um, verse 30 of chapter 13. Caleb was different. He was of a different spirit. He had a different frame of mind, had a different heart attitude. He wasn't full of fear. He wasn't full of unbelief. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Look at the difference between a person of faith and others that know God and know of God, but yet lack in their relationship with Him. And don't have the ability to look beyond the natural realm in which they live. And those that view things in the natural rather than in the supernatural. And you'll notice here that Caleb was no different. He didn't have different kind of flesh. You know, I don't know what he looked like. I'm sure he had hair on his head. Maybe he had a beard. I don't know what he looked like. But he was a human being. Just like all the rest of them. No different. But yet this guy comes along and says, when all these multitudes say, we can't do it. He quiets the people down. Hush. Shh. Don't talk like that in front of God. See, this is what makes faith get a bad name. It's not just the words that Caleb spoke. It's what was in Caleb's heart. And you can't explain that to someone. Someone says, I tried to speak those words of faith and they didn't work for me. Well, the problem is, you see, on the inside, we're all different. What matters is whether or not the Word of God is alive in us. Do you see that? And if that Word is alive in our inward parts and we speak that Word of faith like Caleb did, we'll get Caleb results. Caleb had a different picture. He had the same circumstances as all the rest, but he viewed everything differently. And so he responded in saying, we are well able. Others said, we can't. We are well able to take the land. So there was a difference. Everything else was the same. Being small-minded will limit God. It'll set up boundary lines and borders that God's not going to be able to be bigger in our lives. But He wants us to grow in Him. He wants us to increase and progress. He wants us to expand. He wants to expand in us. You know that. He wants us to be filled with all His fullness. Amen? Absolutely He does. Now you notice in the same text, all this working together and also referring back to Psalm 78, how they limited God there in the wilderness... They also lack confidence in their own personal relationship to God. When we lack confidence in our own personal relationship to God, we limit God's power in our lives. You say, well, how do we have that lack of confidence? Well, there are many reasons for a lack of confidence. First of all, it could be through sin. And if we always fall victim to sin, we're always falling into sin, we can lack confidence in our personal relationship with God the Father. 
And the enemy will know he'll hold us in bondage and our faith will be held in captivity. You know, and, and as long as we're that way, we're always going to be wishy-washy as a Christian and we'll limit the activity of God within our lives. And another way, of course, is having a poor self-image, having low self-esteem. Not really taking the time to look into the, uh, the New Testament to discover who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. You know, Christ in you, the hope of glory, is no different than Christ in me, the hope of glory. Isn't that true? He's the same in both of us. Who I am in Christ and who you are in Christ, it's the same. And who Christ is in me and who Christ is in you is the same. What's the difference? Very often it's nothing more than consciousness of who I am in Christ and consciousness of who Christ is in me. And when we take the time to study that through, finding out who we are in Him, what we have in Him, who He is in us, what He'll do in us, what He does for us and through us. When we take the time to discover all that, it helps us build a wonderful relationship and intimacy of fellowship with the Father. And born out of that, and please listen carefully, born out of that comes confidence. That's why Caleb was so confident. That's why Joshua was so confident. Why do you think David was able to kill Goliath? He had already tried the Word of God and found it to be trustworthy and true. He was challenged by a lion and a bear, and he killed him by the power of God. He said, the same God that delivered the lion and the bear into my hands will also deliver you. You're a Philistine. You have no covenant rights with God. I am an Israelite. I have a covenant relationship with God. Well, you say, what was different than David? You know, as far as David being different from all the other Israelites that also had a covenant with God. Very simple. Same as this. David took time to meditate. He took time to think about his God. As he was watching his father's sheep, he would concentrate on who God is, how big he is. He would also think about how God could work in his life. And as he did this, he developed confidence as he had fellowship with him, talked things over with him, studied his word, worshipped him. Blessed him. You know, we discover that David was a man after God's own heart. And obviously, it shows that he developed that type of intimacy with him. And born out of that fellowship comes confidence. He was confident that when he prayed, God would hear him. He didn't lack that confidence in his relationship to God. Because he kept himself free from sin at that time. He understood his covenant rights. He knew that God was obligated to do certain things in his life as a result of the covenant. And so on the strength of the covenant that he had with God, he allowed God to be bigger in his life than the others allowed in their lives. I mean, that's pretty simple, isn't it? Now, did, did God show partiality to David? Absolutely not. Was God willing to do more for David than he was willing to do for the rest of them? Absolutely not. What was the difference? Once again, the difference was this very fact that David did not limit God. David allowed God to be bigger in his life. And beloved, we all have the, the right to choose to do that. We all have the means whereby God can become bigger in all of our lives. We all know that. But the bottom line is, are we willing to do what it takes 
to allow him to be bigger. And finally, I'm sure there are many things, but here's another thing. The fifth thing, another reason why they limited God and grieved him is due to how they viewed themselves before the enemies to success. There are giant enemies in the world that we face in everyday life that attempt to prevent our being successful in growing in God, in progressing in the things of God, in fulfilling the program of God for our lives, and and having God be bigger within our lives, or increasing in the things of God, or God increasing within our lives, expanding the borders of, of His kingdom within our lives. And it all depends on how we face those giants, those giant enemies that are out there. There are all kind of giant enemies out there in the world that we face every single day. And you see, it depends on how we view those giant enemies. Now notice verse 33 once again, Numbers 13, 33. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which were come of the giants, and we were in our own sight. See, how do you view yourself? How do I view myself? We were in our own sight. They viewed themselves as being defeated. Incapable of overpowering or overcoming such giant obstacles or enemies. God already spoke and said, this is your land of promise. This is your inheritance A land that flows with milk and honey where I will demonstrate myself to be God Almighty as you enter in. They knew that God had said that. But because they did not develop in their relationship with Him, they never were able to look beyond the natural. And they saw themselves in the face of all those giant enemies as being grasshoppers. They were negative. They were defeated. They were failures. They were incapable when it came to strength. They were unable to overpower such enemies. And so they gave up. They were right there on the border of success. I mean, they were right there under Moses on the border of reaching their full potential in God. They were right there on the border of experiencing the full blessings that God had for them. I mean, it was all right there. Did God prevent them? Did God stop them? Did God withhold the blessings? No. See, once again, God wanted to be God. God wanted to be big. God wanted to be powerful. God wanted to be mighty. But they limited God. And these are the ways. Through fear, through unbelief, through small-mindedness, through lack of confidence in their personal relationship, and through the way... Or how the way they viewed themselves before the giants, the giant enemies uh, of, that we face in life when it comes to being successful in the things of God. So, they failed, but we don't have to. Turn it with me, if you would, please, to the book of Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12 and 13. If we are not experiencing growth in our lives, spiritually speaking... And also, as a corporate or collective body of believers, if we're not being successful in making progress in the things of God, and it applies to every area of our life, if we're not being successful in growing in our marital relationship, in our family unity, if we're not 
experiencing progress in that area of our lives, and if uh, we're not increasing in love, and love is abounding yet more and more within the, the home and the framework of the marital relationship, if that's not happening, see, if that's not taking place, if that's not happening, it's not because God doesn't want increase. It's not because God doesn't want to expand His borders within our family units, our church body. It's not because God doesn't want it. See? No, it's because people limit God. God is love. You say you want God to expand? Let love expand. You say you want God to increase? Let love increase. Amen. Do we want to grow? Let love grow in our hearts. See, and as that happens then, the borders begin to expand. God begins to become bigger within our midst and God can do more. He can manifest, you know, a, a greater power and, and force in our lives. His ability will become increased as far as reaching out to, you know, help us and deliver us in, in, in all important areas. In the book of Philippians chapter 2, if we're not reaching out to our full potential, if we're not experiencing the full blessings of God, I guarantee it's not because we're doing too much for God. I guarantee it's not because uh, we're expecting great things from God. I personally believe, and it applies to my own life, and that's why I don't say it to put anybody under any guilt or condemnation, because it applies to me. How many of you know that the message applies to the preacher also? The preacher does not have an exemption. He's not exempt from following the principles of God's Word. There may be anointing to preach or teach the Word of God, but there's not an anointing to live the life. Not even for pastors. Wouldn't that be wonderful if you can have somebody lay hands on you and just give you an anointing to make you the best husband you can possibly be? What happened to you, man? You've changed. Yeah, I just got zapped by the power of God. I'll tell you what, I'm just, I just, just turn me into the Christian husband that God wants me to be. What happened to your wife, too? Well, she went to the same service and hands were laid upon her, anointing came upon her, and I'll tell you what, just did an absolute turnaround, and, you know, that power came on her, and now she just was automatically, instantaneously turned into the wife that God wants her to be. And what about those kids? Oh, what to God, if we can bottle something like that, we'd all be millionaires. We'd all be millionaires if we can bottle something like that. Can you imagine that? Just laying your hands on your kids one time, power God coming on them, they'll never run out in the street again. You know, just automatic. They start walking out, they just come back. They go to answer you back, and they stop short. They just never do it. Wouldn't that be marvelous? Can we work on that, Lord? Wouldn't that be glorious? Praise God. And they never, you know, consider uh, marrying the wrong person. And uh, they never, we can go on and on and on. That would be nice, but that's really an improper concept of the program of God for all of our lives. Can you say amen to that? It just doesn't work that way. It takes work and diligence on all, all of our part. Well, let's read the scriptures. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, I want us to see this. God's at work in us. And God wants to do, He wills to do His good pleasure within our lives. And you know, when God's good pleasure and God's will is done in our lives, the end result is always this. We're blessed. 
I mean to tell you, if God had his way in all of our lives, I'm going to tell you, we'd be so blessed. We'd be floating in this realm of life in which we live. We wouldn't know how to act. We absolutely would not know how to act if God's full blessings were manifested in all of our lives on an everyday, day-by-day basis. Well, we've got to realize that God is at work within us, but we have only have allotted him a certain amount of space in our hearts. And we know that. Yes, Jesus is our Savior and he's our Lord. But God wants to occupy all the kingdoms of our heart. God wants to have first place in our lives. You know, and as a result, we have got to do something to enlarge those borders. We've got to, in, we've got to grow in God and let God grow in us. We've got to also make progress spiritually, progress in the things of God. If we want to increase, we want God to increase, we want to then decrease is what we're saying. Self, decrease in self and increase in God. God gets bigger within our lives. See, it's not an automatic, like I said, laying on of the hands that this transpires. It's the result of every child of God realizing the need, his need and her need to do what? To work out his own salvation. God's on the inside wanting to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Work him from the inside out. From the inside out. To get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yield. The more we yield to God, the more we yield to the Word, the more we yield to love, the more we yield to the Spirit, the bigger God gets in our lives. The more He is increased within our lives. Uh, the, the, The longer we want to stay stubborn, the longer we want to stay full of pride, the longer we want to be jealous and, and all these different things and, and, and be bitter and, and not forgive people, the longer we shut God out and don't allow Him a greater amount of territory. See, the Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil. Let God be bigger. Give Him place. Give Him territory. Allow His word, allow His will, allow His love, allow His grace, allow His mercy. To be expanded in your life, in my life. To increase in our hearts. Allow His peace to become a greater force and power in our lives. And as we do that, as I said, we enlarge the borders of the kingdom of God within our own individual lives. And God gets bigger. We grow. We make spiritual progress. God increases on the inside of us and expands His kingdom within our lives. So you see, beloved, I believe if we're really honest and if we are really sincere before God then we would have to admit that the reason why, or some of the reasons why we also do not experience this rapid growth and increase of God's activity within our lives is due to, number one, our own personal fears. And not doing anything about overcoming our own personal fears. Now you say, well, that's pretty negative, brother. Well, you know, saying that, that we are exposed to fear in this realm of life is not negative. It's the truth. And you see, it's not wrong to say it. It's wrong not to do something about it. That's what's wrong. And if we don't do something about our fears, then our fears will hold us in bondage. And if we don't do something about our fears, then that fear will limit the activity of God within our lives. And so then we realize that God wants to be bigger. But in order to be bigger, we've got to do something about overcoming these fears. Okay? Secondly, if we're sincere and honest before God, we're also going to realize, I don't know about you, but I realize this. I realize that God can be bigger in my life if I would deal a whole lot more with unbelief. Unbelief. You know, unbelief is just talking about not being persuaded to act upon the Word of God at all times. 
And, you know, that's what unbelief is. We have two ways that we can go. We can go by the natural senses and say, well, this looks right. This seems right. This sounds right. And reason things out and go by what all that says and forget about what the Word of God says. Because what the Word of God says is just so far removed from intellectual reasoning that we say, hmm, this doesn't make any sense. But, you see, in order for God to get bigger, we've got to deal with human reasoning. We've got to deal with unbelief in our lives because we try to reason things out. You say, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, no one ever said it had to make sense. Does this make any sense to you? Peter, reach in and grab yourself out of fish there and pay the taxes. You've got to be kidding me. But you see, Jesus knew. You've been fishing all night, right? Same spot. You've had your nets out. You've been fishing all night long. Nothing. There's not one dead minnow anywhere around you. Jesus says, can I borrow your boat for a minute? Sure, Lord. Go ahead. Thanks, Peter. Now cast down your net. I mean, they can't even pull up all the fish because they're going to sink. Their boats are going to sink. Does that make any sense? Now, if he went by human reasoning, he would have never thrown that net out there in the water. But he wasn't going by human reasoning. He says, well, at thy word, Lord. And see, we've got to program ourselves to, to realize that it may not make sense. And the only way we're going to deal with unbelief is by doing what? Acting on the word of God, even though it doesn't always make sense. Even though human reasoning says to do otherwise. We must give God that opportunity to demonstrate that he can be bigger than human reasoning. And you know what? When we do that, we enlarge the borders of the kingdom of God within our hearts. And it becomes easier to believe that God can do the impossible. See? It becomes easier to believe that God can do the impossible as we continue doing that. And once again, don't come up here and ask for the anointing to come upon you to deal with all your fears or unbelief. Because it doesn't work that way. Now, if we can bottle that, once again, we'd all be rich. But you can't do that because it doesn't work that way. It's a matter of working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. It's a matter of each and every one of us desiring to have God be bigger within our lives. And so, you know, we just, can I say it this way? We forget about all the fad things that are going on in the Christian world. We forget about trying to find the one with the supernatural, spectacular supernatural results or whatever. And we say, you know what? God's Word works. God's Word works. God's Word works. I've got to get a hold of the message. I've got to develop it in my life. And I've got to grow in God. I've got to make spiritual progress. I've got God to increase in me that I may decrease so that I can expand the borders of His kingdom and the activity of His power in my personal life. And beloved, that's a personal thing. And that's why we need churches and pastors that teach the Word of God. Thank God for the evangelists that do their part and the signs and wonders and miracles that take place that draw in the crowds. You know, but we've got to also grow and develop so that each one could grow up in Christ in all things and develop into the stature of the measure of Christ, the measure of the stature of Christ, and get to a place that God just becomes bigger in all of our lives. And that's called spiritual maturity. God's bigger in us. And that's where Joshua was at, and that's where Caleb was at. 
They had the same problems. They faced the same world. They faced the same giants, but with a different disposition, with a different heart attitude, with a different motive and, and, and everything else. Okay, so we're to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, realizing that God is that worketh in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And if we're honest and sincere, we'll realize this. Have you ever been small minded in God? No, you haven't been small minded in God. You ever tell somebody, oh, he just can't do that. This is not going to work. Small minded in God. Just small minded in God. Just not able to see the big picture. Small-minded in God. Who, me? Well, although I realize that we all deal with our own inadequacies, you know, we, we realize that we have our shortcomings. We realize that we are inadequate in a lot of areas of our lives. But don't be small-minded in God. Thinking that God can only use the next person down the street or somebody else. But God can use you. God can use me. God can use all of us. God can do great things in all of our lives. Oh, if we're just a Joshua or a Caleb, you have flesh and blood and bone? We have the same potential. I said we have the same potential. We have the same potential. We all have equal, equally the same potential to allow God to be bigger in all of our lives. It's a matter of decision. It's a matter of choice. I choose to have God bigger in my life. Well, can you tell me one way that I can have God bigger in my life? Well, get rid of bitterness. That's one way. Stop holding unforgiveness. That's another way you get God bigger in your life. But you don't understand what they did to me. I'll never be able to let go of that. Well, and you never had to ever get God bigger in your life either. We can't afford that luxury of holding uh, bitterness or harboring unforgiveness or anything like that in our lives because we'll get, we've got to be small. See? And then we can go on. There's a lot of different things, but be big-minded in God, not small-minded. Joshua and Caleb were big-minded. They were big giants in the land, and, and they may have in stature been grasshoppers in their sight, in the sight of the giants. But they were big-minded. They looked up and said, well, God's bigger than giants. And God's on my side. God's on our side. We're well able to take the land. See? And so they got rid of all that stuff. If Joshua and Caleb can do it, beloved, we can do it also. Amen. And the rest of them could have done it too. So, and again, we also can lack confidence in our relationship with God. And that will limit God. And that will prevent us from working out our own salvation. That will prevent us from realizing that God is really at work within us both to will and to do of his good pleasure and wants to expand the borders of his kingdom within our lives. God wants more territory. He wants a bigger place. If we want him to be bigger, we've got to make him bigger inside our lives. That's what he's talking about. Don't limit me. Give me opportunity to occupy more space in your life. And if you'll do that, I'll show myself bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger in your life, in my life, in all of our lives. And then also another thing is uh, how we view ourselves when we face all the obstacles that are going to be in our way to prevent our success. How many of you know that when you choose to grow in God, you'll have giant enemies to prevent your growth? When you choose to make spiritual progress in your life, you ever be the one that says, I'm gonna, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get before God. I am going to fast and I'm going to pray. 
I'm going to set myself to diligently seek the Lord. I'm, 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 I'm really intent on this. I, I'm just going to do everything I possibly can. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to wait upon the Lord. I'm going to study the Bible. And I'm just, I'm just going to get before God. I'll tell you what. And you walk inside your house and your wife's making sauce. <laughs> do you ever smell sauce when it's cooking inside? You're just taking a... Tomorrow, I'm going to seek God. <laughs> Tomorrow, I'm really going to make some progress spiritually. There's some giants out there, beloved, and, and you know, giant meatballs in the land or something like that. <laughs> that might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but there are some giants in the land that will see to it that they stop our spiritual progress. And that's talking about collectively as a church body and individually, all of our lives. Amen. Amen. It'll happen. The moment you make a decision to grow in God, to make spiritual progress, or have God increase in your life, just like He he did back there, giants will always be there to to prevent our spiritual growth and development. But here's, here's the point. It's how we view those giants that hinder our success. If we see them as being insurmountable obstacles, then they'll always hold us in bondage to negative thoughts and also a negative view of our own lives. For an example, hmm, I'm just uh, too old. I'm just too old. See, beloved... These people had low self-esteem and they said, we're not strong enough. They looked at themselves and they said, they're giants, we're grasshoppers, look at our stature. They had a limited view of themselves, they had low self-esteem, they had no confidence in their relationship with God. The way they viewed themselves before the giants of the land spelled out defeat, failure, insurmountable obstacles. That would prevent them. Oh, I'll tell you what, we're right on the border. We're right here. Do you realize we're right on the edge of getting into the fullness of the blessings of God? Do you realize all we've got to do is just cross this Jordan? And once we do, that land is ours. Milk, honey, no sickness, no disease, no miscarriages. He'll fulfill the number of our days. He'll also bless our bread and bless our water. Didn't he say all he would do all that in that land? Can you imagine they could taste it? They were right there on the border of all those blessings, but yet they did not get over into it because of the way they viewed the obstacles or the giants in the land, the enemies that prevented their entrance. Even though the enemy was defeated, please make note of this. The enemy views us the way we view ourselves. Make note of that. The enemy views us the way we view ourselves. Because when we say all those negatives about ourselves, that's how he views us. That's what he hears about us. That's how he views us. Can't do it. You can't do it. He'll side with you, agree with you, and tell you that you can't do it. The enemy out there, they were, ready to, to, they were already defeated. Those giants were defeated. They conceded the land. We don't have time to get into it tonight. But those giants conceded the land already. They, their hearts melted you know, inside themselves because they knew that God delivered them by a mighty hand and they were just waiting for them to come over and take the land. Satan's a defeated foe. This world is overcome by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are more than conquerors through Him that loves us. And all we've got to do is come to the recognition and realization 
of the fact that we are those things in Christ. And Christ in us, the hope of glory, puts us over and, and strengthens us and enables us. He equips us by His Spirit, by His Word. We recognize that, we realize that, and feed that into our spiritual life and our mental life, and then it becomes a reality to us. Well, the enemy is already conceded. The enemy has already been defeated. But when we don't know who we are, when we don't know what we have, we don't know what we can do through God, the enemy, enemy views us as being defeated also. They're defeated. They don't know what they have. They don't know the blood of Christ and the power of the name. They don't know the word and the authority you know, of the believer. They don't know anything about that. So he views us as being defeated and will continue to enforce our defeat. So it depends on how we view ourselves. Beloved, let's make note of this. They had low self-esteem. They lost their perspective. They no longer were a focused people. They failed to come into unity. They were gripped by fear, unbelief, and small-mindedness. And as a result, they failed to experience the full blessings of God and their full potential. Now, when it comes to growing and making spiritual progress, growth always involves challenges. Say that with me. Growth involves challenges. When it comes to obtaining Bible promises, listen, it involves challenges. Obtaining Bible promises always involves challenges. The enemy's not just going to lay down out there. Things aren't just going to move at will out of our way. Experiencing God's full blessings, whether it's deliverance or healing or financial prosperity or, or Whatever it is, direction for our lives, whatever it is, obtaining Bible promises, we're always going to face challenges in life. We've got to realize that. There's going to be giant enemies out there to prevent us from experiencing these things in God. Fulfilling God's will for our lives will always involve great challenges. They were challenged from place to place to place to place to place along the way. And then finally they got to the, to the border. Right there, of, of all the promises of God, the fullness of the benefits of God. And again, they were greatly challenged. They were challenged in all these different areas of their lives. Well, it's not going to be any different for us. We're also going to be challenged. We're going to face certain obstacles that if we view them as being bigger than God is in our lives, then we're not going to be able to overcome. They will be insurmountable. But if we view God as being bigger... Everybody say this, what, what he said over there in Philippians 2. It's God working in me. Willing and doing of his good pleasure. Well, what's his good pleasure? The Bible said it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? To give us the kingdom, it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And it's his will to do that. God is saying, I want to get bigger. I want to expand my kingdom in your life. I want to get so big inside you that people only see me in your life. That's how big God wants to be in our lives, beloved. But like I said, if we don't understand these hindrances, and if we don't do something about overcoming our fears, unbelief, small-mindedness, lack of confidence in our relationship to God, and also viewing ourselves as being grasshoppers in the sight of the giant enemies that we face in life, if we don't do something to overcome all that, then God can expand. We won't grow. We won't increase. We won't make spiritual progress. And, you know, God won't be expanded within our lives. But if we will do something about it, then praise God, He will. So as long as we see ourselves as grasshoppers, we're not going to grow in God. But 
if we see that God is bigger, we're going to experience an expansion of His kingdom. Now, these are some of the negatives, I think, that people uh, were held back by, that people are held back by. Number one, some will say that, as I said, well, you know, I'm just too old for that. Or I'm not strong enough to do that. Or I don't have that kind of intellect. Or I don't have this degree in my life. You know, I haven't earned a degree and I can't occupy that position or that place. And, and I'm too young, maybe. But you see, God has a response. His Word responds to all those things that we see, all those negatives. You know, I have low self-esteem. God wouldn't use me in that way. And it goes on and on. And the list goes on and on and on. I'm not needed there. Those people don't need me in that body or whatever. All those things. Well, for the person that says that I'm just too old, you know, it sounds great, but I'm just too old to get any further in the things of God and et cetera, et cetera. But God says in a ripe old age, you're still going to be used. You're going to be productive and fruitful in a ripe old age. We've got to realize we're in this for the duration, beloved, to the end. Yeah, but you don't understand. uh, I put in my spiritual time. I think some people think that God has a spiritual time clock right here, you know. And one day you get done, you're, you're about to retire from your spiritual activity. And so, you know, you ask for the pastor, Pastor, you know, when, when's that Sunday you're going to hand out the spiritual time cards? You know, and he passes them all out. And you figure, well, I'm 62 years old now and I'm just going to take my spiritual time clock and just, you know, punch out and say, I'm done, Lord. I'm just going to sit back and relax and take it easy. Well, my Bible doesn't read that way. My Bible says that the older ladies are to teach the younger ones how to love their husbands. My Bible tells me that the older men are to be men of examples of faith and power and teach the younger ones how to know God. There's no spiritual time card that we punch out and say, I'm done. You're not too old. I said, you're not too old to have a ministry. You're not too old to be active for God. No one is too old. You say, I'm too young. Jesus was 12. David killed Goliath as a teenager. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were young. Samuel was young. And it goes on. The list goes on and on and on. As long as we view ourselves as being grasshoppers and have this low self-esteem and keep ourselves in bondage to it all, we're going to have all these negative thoughts coming our way and the giants will use all these enemies coming against us to prevent us from having expanded within our lives the kingdom of God. I'm not experienced enough or whatever. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 help us, I believe. For the Scripture says that, as Paul wrote by the inspiration of the Spirit, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a holy living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. In other words, we've got to get our minds renewed and stop saying, I can't do it, but I can do all things through Christ who is the strength of my life. For God's at work within me, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Stop viewing ourselves as being grasshoppers in the sight of all these enemies that we face in life and realize, hey, no matter what we are facing, no matter what the economy says, no matter what uh, the medical field is saying to us, you know what? God's at work in me. I like that. Say that with me. God's at work in me. Do you see that? God is at work in us, and He wants to expand the borders of His kingdom in our lives. God's at work in me, willing and doing of His good pleasure. And you know what? It doesn't matter what our economy does. I'll be frank about it. It really doesn't matter what our economy does, because God, our Father's good pleasure, is to see to it that we are provided for. His children will not be begging bread. 
He will feed his own. He'll take care of his own. You see, it, it, I'll be quite frank about it, brother. It's only what we allow the enemy to do to us. That's what's done. And if we, if we don't allow God to be bigger with our lives, that's our own fault. We can allow him to be bigger and we can prevent tragedies from happening in our, in our lives, in our marital relationships, in our family units. But the idea is this. We've got to realize our part that we have to play. Okay? We've got to let go. We've got to renew our minds. We've got to start thinking like God thinks. Who Christ is in me. Who I am in Christ. What He can do in me. What He can do through me, through my life. And we've got to stop allowing our natural fears and weaknesses to dominate our thinking and to dominate our actions, to dominate our speaking. For we are not dominated by our natural thinking. We should be dominated by supernatural thinking about the Word of God and seeing how big God is that we serve. Amen. Well, when we start believing that God is at work within our lives and that God is strengthening us and God is enabling us and God is empowering us and God on the inside of us is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, then, beloved, those borders will be expanded and then entering into our Canaan's land or our full promises of God will be realized. Amen. That's what God wants. He wants us to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He wants us to press into that. And we do that this way by renewing our mind to what God's Word says about us and then building within our spiritual lives those truths until we press in to what belongs to us. And as I said, it's not just an automatic something that someone can pray. I mean, I, I think that's our mentality. That's the mindset of the Christian world today. If I could find a brother so-and-so, if I can just get a so-and-so, if there was just another so-and-so... If there was just another Catherine Kuhlman, if there was just another this, you know, all these different names, uh, William Branham or whoever, well, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It works this way. Thank God that His Word is true, and I can do what God says I can do, and I am what God says I am, and God is in me who He says He is, and God is at work in me, and He is doing His good will and pleasure in my life. And as a result, I am gaining entrance into my promised land. For it's the promises of God in my life that, that are, those are my promises, and I'm, I'm going to press into those things. Now, it's going to take effort and work and diligence, but, beloved, it's well worth it all, believe me. So when we start realizing these things, beloved, we'll start removing the limitations that hinder God from being more real within our lives, and we're going to get rid of that wrong image that we have, and we're going to start experiencing the reality of these wonderful things and blessings that God has provided for us through His great plan of redemption. Now, whether we realize it or not, I think some don't think this way, but we all fight the same battles. We all fight the same negative thoughts. We all fight the same world that is constantly trying to get us molded into its own, you know, mold. We all fight the same thing. They all fought the same giants. They're all the same giants were out there in the land. It was not, not something different. It was all the same. Every one of us, we all fight the same giants of negative thoughts. But we've got to renew our minds. We've got to get a hold of the Word of God. We've got to let go of the limits, the limitations that we have established and just say, you know what, it's time for me to do something about overcoming these fears. It's time for me to do something about this unbelief. It's time for me to do something about being small-minded in God. It's time for me to do something about this lack of confidence that I have in my relationship to the Almighty. It's time for me to do something about my own view of myself. I'm not going to be bound by low self-esteem any longer. I'm going to rise up above it because through Christ I can do all things. Amen. Well, beloved, make note of some of these things and we'll close right here.
Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.